1: I'm Jonathan Wakefield, and this is the Beer Hour on Sirius XM Business Radio 132. Each week, we introduce you to the movers and shakers of the craft beer business and other fields that we find interesting. I'm here in the taproom with my co-host, JWB's Director of Operations, Maria Cabre. Hello, Maria. Who's our first guest this week?
2: Our next guest is the head of brewing operations for 50 West Brewing Company in Cincinnati, Ohio. Co-founder Bobby Slattery opened 50 West in a former speakeasy in downtown Cincinnati in 2012. Named for the highway on which it's located, 50 West went on to open two more locations, win numerous awards, and become one of the top 50 fastest growing breweries in the country, according to the Brewers Association.
1: Welcome to the Beer Hour, Scott LaFollette. How are you, man?
3: Not bad, not bad.
1: Uh, How is the weather up there in Cincinnati, man?
3: Uh, it's slowly improving, but we had, we had an ice storm last week and we're still kind of defrosting from that.
1: Nice. Nice. I mean, at least it's warming up now. The ice storm is not a nice thing. I mean, uh, I think you were telling me a little bit something. Did you have to, uh, take all the ice off of the glycol machine?
3: Yeah. The, uh, the, uh, fans on our glycol chiller are vertical and point up, uh, and they got about two and a half inches of ice on them. And uh, tripped out the breaker into things. so I had to take all the shrouds off and scrape all the ice off to reset the thing.
1: Wow! Just
3: one of the, many fun things I've had to do in the last few days. <laughs> yeah.
1: because of, are you uh, on on your glycol system? I mean, are you guys just running straight like chilled glycol, or because I know certain places in the country also have to run heated glycol as well, depending on what time of year it is?
3: Uh, yeah, no, we don't. Luckily, we don't we don't run heated glycol, but the uh, the compressors have what they call a low temperature kit on them right uh which i think yeah it just keeps the compressor from failing out cold we don't actually have to heat the glycol thing goodness Uh, all our tanks are inside we don't do outdoor tanks (laughs) if we did outdoor tanks we would have to heat
1: absolutely yeah because i know the guys up like in minneapolis and stuff they uh they struggle through that (laughs) when it gets like negative 60 um
3: yeah hopefully we don't get big enough that we ever want to do outdoor tanks
1: absolutely i hear that brother so let's start at the beginning how did bobby Slatery come to found 50 west in 2012
3: so in cincinnati in 2012 uh we were just at the very very beginning of what would become our craft beer uh you know revolution if you will there was only a couple of breweries in town uh at the time like literally only one or two uh and bobby and a couple of other guys got together it it was actually a very roundabout way the uh building that the the original brew pub is located in is actually an 1827 farmhouse uh that's been through many iterations through its life but it's been a restaurant for a lot of years it was a speakeasy during prohibition oh wow um it has really cool history to it and uh it had been a restaurant for a lot of years that, that was that was well known for doing wild game dinners and all kinds of crazy stuff but it had closed uh, it had been closed for a few years and um the Slattery family bought the building, but they didn't really know what to do with it. So they had actually kind of put word out like, Hey, we got this place. What should we do with it? Uh, And there were a couple of other, other guys here in town that were working on building a brewery that they they didn't have a location yet. Uh, So they got together and they said, Hey, we got an idea. And they said, that's great. Let's all get together and do it. And they started uh, the original 50 West brew pub.
1: That's amazing. So when, when along the line, did you join 50 West and were you brewing somewhere else before that?
3: Uh yes, I started I've been here about four years. Uh I came in and, uh it would have been twenty seventeen. Okay. Yeah, twenty seventeen. Uh prior to that my my journey in brewing's kind of actually working a little bit backwards. Uh prior to that I actually owned my own brewery oh. here in town. Uh so my first job in the brewing industry was I kind of said screw it and started it and built my own brewery. Uh it was a very very small operation again in the very nascent days of brewing in this town. Uh, ran for about five years, uh, basically ran out of money cause I was doing it all myself and, uh, you know, that was the end of that. And, uh, and then I moved over here. Nice. So I went from owner and out of operations, my next <laughs> job, I think I'm going to take a job on a packaging line somewhere and, you know, just work my way back down the ladder.
1: So, uh, yeah, I mean, I guess that is a kind of transversal of the opposite way. I mean, uh, but now at, at 50 West, how what's like your What's your production size now at 50 West? How many barrels are you guys brewing, do you think?
3: Sure. So last year, because uh, I just had to do all the numbers here a little while ago, uh, last year we did 8,200 barrels.
1: Nice, nice. Uh,
3: split, split amongst all of our, we have technically three brew houses now, uh, two here in Cincinnati and one in Chillicothe. Oh, wow, wow. Uh, so you know, we, we broke 8,000 last year for the first time. We got close to eight thousand uh, in twenty nineteen before the pandemic, right? Uh, and then twenty twenty, we dropped about ten percent uh, overall, and then we recovered that plus a little bit uh, in twenty twenty one. And then, if everything goes the way everyone wants it to, we should hit right about ten thousand this year.
1: Oh wow! Okay, N- nice step up there, man. That's that's a that's a nice graduation from the the eight thousand. What was the initial brewing setup at Fifty West? And what is it like now?
3: So the initial, the original system, which we still have, and we still use, uh, in the brew pub is a 10 barrel century system. It's a very old system. It was built in the late eighties, early nineties. They actually sourced it from a Renaissance fair in Pennsylvania. That closed. What and I can see the look on your face. <laughs> I had no idea why fair would have a brewery at it, but apparently it wasn't that great of an idea. Cause it closed. So they got the brew. They got the brew from there. Uh, all 10 barrel tanks uh, at its peak. Uh, it had um, nine 10 barrel tanks in it. Um, they did, I, before they started the production facility, I think they squeezed about 1,500 barrels a year out of that little system, uh, mostly for in house and then a little bit of draft distribution. And then in about 2015, 2016, they took over another building across the street uh, that had been a restaurant bar. Slash sand volleyball place uh, reconfigured that left about half of it as a tap room put a 20 barrel JV Northwest system oh nice uh, in, in the brewery uh, starting out originally it had 440 barrel fermenters uh, we've added on since then now we have uh, we have 860 barrel tanks 440s um, a random 10 we're actually about to add a couple of 20s yeah so it's, it's been added on to a few times and then in 2018 we added the packaging line so we did nothing but draft distribution for the first 6 years of existence. Oh wow.
1: I had no um, idea. That's awesome.
3: 2018 added the uh, the canning line and then everything's definitely shot up from there.
1: So I I was back I was in Cincinnati in 2013 and you know we had we had talked about this, you know, in kind of introduction and you said there were five breweries in Cincinnati at that time. What, what was the beer scene in Cincinnati like then versus what is it like now?
3: So uh, Cincinnati is, is a lot of German history. Uh, So in the early days, you know, obviously everyone had migrated to macros, macro beer, you know, fizzy yellow, whatever. Um, (laughs) But as we were trying to bring them back into the craft fold, uh, you know, in those days, you know, hazy IPAs didn't exist, no. you know, fruit sours, those things. Uh, so we, so a lot of it was really trying to appeal to the German history. So a lot of guys were, were trying to do loggers. Of course, you had just the regular basic introductory, you know, pale ales, Sierra Nevada, pale ale knockoffs, um, things like that. Amber ale uh, was probably the best selling beer around here for the first few years. So very introductory um, kind of as you see a, a scene start to take off, it usually starts with kind of all those introductory styles. You're pulling people out of drinking Bud Light and saying, well, Hey, I know you like Bud Light. Here's our Kolsch. Right. Or our, you know, Blondale It's the lightest thing we can make. We can't really do loggers because loggers were not very big at that time. And you're small and you can't afford the tank space, right. all that stuff. Yep. Um, nowadays, Uh, you know, it's evolved, like I said, in, in those days there was four or five breweries depending on how you slice it. Now, depending on what you consider the, the area that is Cincinnati or the greater Cincinnati area, there's about 70 something breweries.
1: Um, Wow.
3: And and, and most of that actually occurred between 2014 and 2017, there was probably 40 something breweries that opened in that like three year span.
1: Holy smokes, Um, man.
3: Yeah, uh, it, it got it's it's gotten crazy uh, for sure. And, but now nowadays, uh, I always tell people basically the less you can make your beer taste like beer, the more popular it'll be. Um, <laughs> it's 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 evolved where you know you we the, lagers have made a big comeback. So there's still a lot of German loggers being done. Right. They're way better now than they were ten years ago, which is right. great. Uh, but you know it, it's it's like everywhere else hazy IPAs. Yep you know more it looks like dirty dishwater the better uh to a lot of people HP <laughs> sauces um
1: uh, smoothie sours you know, right
3: some guys are doing seltzers I mean, don't get me wrong we do them too so yeah. like you know it's you know you you, you got to do what you got to do um yeah i mean some guys have leaned into seltzers um you know it's it, it's it's like you see everywhere else it's Luckily, I think we're seeing a lot of people start to come back to like, hey, I just want a good basic lager. I don't want something I got to like yep. think that hard about yep. or also something that I can drink two ounces of and then I feel, and I feel like I just had a full can- pancake breakfast right. and I'm somehow drunk.
1: Right. Yes. No, I agree. I think, so. I mean, I've talked to a lot of guys on the show and just, you know, out and about anyways, but I think there is starting to become like a unanimous movement that people are trying to go back to drinking beer that tastes like beer you know what i mean i mean at least i hope so and i i've I've actually started to see it i mean we're selling more lagers now than we ever have you know people want not as much of an adjuncted stout or less fruit puree and more of like a fruited sour you know what i mean it's it's something i think i'm starting to see across the board but i think i agree like there is a movement to go back to drinking beer that tastes like beer.
3: Yeah, and, and it's interesting because you know in the in the early days when we were when craft brewers were starting up, it was, the mantra was always you're fighting against the big guy who just makes you know macro brewed lager, and now all we want to do is make super clean, consistent lagers all the time. And it's like, wait, isn't this <laughs> what we, we want to do in the beginning?
1: Exactly. Now we do. <laughs> yeah, no, it's pretty funny, but I mean, it's it it is the truth. So I also read that 50 West was a near-immediate success. To to what do you attribute that early success, and how have you guys managed to keep it going?
3: Yeah, so, I I mean, in the early days, like I said, there were only a few breweries. Uh, There were really no brew pubs. So what was great about uh, this place when they started, it was was really about the only brew pub. The way the laws were in Ohio, actually, at the time, uh, tap rooms weren't made legal until 2012, 2013, the wow. traditional brewery manufacturing facility with the tap room on it wasn't even legal wow. uh, when they started putting this together. Uh, but a, but a brew pub would be, so if you were an actual restaurant and served food, then you could, you could go that route. Um, so there, it was kind of novel in the fact that yeah, there were a few breweries around at that time, but you couldn't go there and drink. It was all, you could buy it on the shelf, this and that. Uh, so that's, What really helped with kind of the immediate success was like, hey, you can go there, you can see the tanks through the window, and uh, this building that it was in having such a rich history, uh, and it's it's you know you go in and it it feels like you're it almost feels like you're in a house, you know the ceilings are kind of low, it's a you know dark bar, right? Um, The food was really good. They were doing some fairly I don't want to say high end, but definitely not like you know not fast food. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, so that, which was nice because we're, we're located in a, in a little bit of a suburb. It's a little more affluent. So like, you're not going to bring them in. You can bring more people in if it's like, Hey, let's go there and have a nice meal. And Oh, by the way, they make beer as opposed to, Oh yeah, I hear that. I hear they have some really crappy chicken wings. Let's go there. Um, so, so that's, that really helped get it started. And then from there, it's, I think the biggest thing has been just not resting on our, on your laurels and just being like, all right, cool. We got this really cool restaurant and people like it, but you know, restaurants have a life cycle and no matter how cool it is, most restaurants, they have a run and then it kind of, you know, slowly right. fades over time. Yep. Uh, so they've really reinvented themselves by saying, okay, after a couple years getting in and they needed the space anyway, taking over this other building that was, like I said, it was a bar restaurant, but it also has eight sand volleyball courts. Wow. So they took over this building, reconfigured it to make it a brewery slash tap room because t- actual tap rooms were legal by then. And the quarter was like, well, what do we do with all this space, with all this sand? They're like, I don't know. I guess I guess we're doing volleyball. <laughs> so, we were, so I started running volleyball leagues, um, which in the summer was really great. It was like you're going to go to a brewery to play sand volleyball for the evening. Uh, it also helps uh, bring in revenue on a random Tuesday night in the middle of the summer. Right. That we were not necessarily super busy. Of course. Uh, so, so that was interesting. And then they, uh, we're right next to a river and a bike trail. So we really leaned into that. We have another building close to us that we uh, partnered with some people to put in a bike shop. So we have a a branded bike shop on our campus right next to the bike trail. We had a uh, canoe and kayak livery for a while. Uh, That kind of died out when the pandemic hit and uh, really hasn't been able to kind of get restarted. Not sure if we will restart that. But at that point, we really kind of leaned ourselves into this like outdoor experience brand. Uh, So... You know, what you came here and saw in 2013, um, you know, that kind of still exists, but then you go across the street and it's like, it's this whole new thing,
1: this whole new experience. Um, Yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah, So it's just building on the experience and, and say, okay, what can we do next? What can we do next? And, um, this last thing that we've kind of done is we've, we added a food element to this other tap room, uh, but we came up with a really interesting concept they kind of brands around the whole 50 West and the fact that it's uh, this highway that, that uh, cuts completely across the United States from East Coast to West Coast. So they just did this kind of like highway burger shack kind of concept. Dope. And all the and there's different burgers you can get, but they're all themed after different states. So like you oh, can wow. get an Ohio burger that has like chili, like Cincinnati chili on it. You get a uh, uh, California burger and it has avocado and you know stuff on it. So there's all these different themed kind of concept burgers from the food standpoint and people have really, uh, really enjoyed that. Uh, and then, you know, there's obviously the bar there as well. Um, so just constantly reinventing yourself and like taking what you are and figuring out what can you build onto that to become the next thing you're going to be instead of just saying, all right, here we are. We're this static thing. We're never going to change and we're going to hope everyone loves it forever.
1: Nice. That's nice.
2: You're listening to the beer hour and we're talking to Scott, Scott Lafollette, La you can't say it for me. <laughs> You're listening. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're listening to the Beer Hour, and we're speaking to Scott Lafollette of Fifty West Brewing. <laughs> it's
1: one of those days.
2: <laughs> hey, I've had
3: to do with that my whole life. Yeah. it's all right.
1: Uh, so you guys really lean it, like you were talking about. You guys really lean into the fitness and recreation component with running clubs, volleyball, canoeing, ice skating, and I know it's been a few years, but you even did a boxing event. Why is that so important to you guys in your brand?
3: Well, it's it's important because um, you don't you don't want to just be kind of one dimensional. You don't just be hey we make great beer come ha- come have our beer again. There's 70 breweries in this town now, and every one of them says they make great beer. Maybe right. they all don't, but that's Um, so you can't, you can't just be like, Hey, there's only five breweries in this town. So you're going to have to come here eventually. Uh, there's so many now you have to start to distinguish yourself. Uh, so some guys can do that by, uh, leaning into specific styles and saying, we're going to focus on, you know, these particular styles of beer and that's going to be our experience. Um, some people take it, take it to the experience of there's a few places that have kind of set up as live music venues. So it's like, Hey, come here and listen to cool music. And we have a brewery. Uh, so for us, just because of the, where we're located, uh, you know, we're right next to uh, the uh, little Miami bike trail, which basically transverses diagonally the entire state of Ohio. Right. Uh, so it, so you we know, are right there. We're right next to the, to a river uh, that has a lot of kayaking canoe things. We kind of inherited this volleyball thing. So it kind of just became this natural uh, evolution of, yes, let's, let's lean into that. But also, uh, our I mean our owner he's a very fit guy you know he'll he'll go work out for two hours and then drink one beer because he doesn't want to ruin his you know what he just did with his workout so he's always been you know, big into running so we do running groups running groups things like that uh, so it's just kind of always been it's been an, an evolution of our owner and just with the space that we have in the area that, that we're in uh, and it's people people have really taken to it
1: that's awesome man yeah I mean I. We haven't incorporated. The, I mean, we have in certain aspects. I think, you know, we used to do fitness workouts on Saturday mornings here at, at the at the brewery. I mean, I'm very much into fitness as well. But we definitely have not. We're in a different location. I think if we were probably in a more rural area, I think we'd be definitely more inclined to, to lean that way. But I, I think that idea that you guys have and what you've kind of embraced as the brand is is an awesome, awesome thing. <clears throat> So, like, like most crap breweries, you know, you guys, Fifty West, was hit hard by the pandemic. You guys were on the verge of ceasing, like ceasing operations and laying off the team when someone had an idea to keep the brewery afloat. What was that idea, and how did it further your connection with your fans in the community?
3: Yeah. So, <clears throat> excuse me when the when we when the pandemic hit, we we still had just the original brew pub running. And our tap room, this hamburger concept that I was talking about, was, did not exist yet. Um, so, you know, we had to lay off pretty much all of the front-of-house staff. Uh, so we had just a few people that were still left. And then the brewery, uh, we, had, we had to pivot because, you know, all of our draft distribution dried up. So we had to start packaging more beer, uh, but taking all the hit from that. But basically, they just decided, hey, you know, let's, let's set up, set up the, the old branded pop-up tent out front uh and of the brew pub and basically run it like a drive-thru. Oh, wow. So people people would would come up and whatever packaged beer we had again we started shifting uh into packaging. we bought a crowler machine for years to that we'd all done growlers right. uh which couldn't do in the pandemic because of you know reusing the glass and all that. So we were quickly able to get a crowler machine and get crowlers. So we started doing crowlers of the beers that we still had on tap uh as well as you know trying to sell uh the case products that we had and um you know, we just kind of set up a, set up a drive-through out front. And it was, it was basically, you know, the five or six of us that, that were left in management pretty much running the thing. So, you know, Bobby, our owners out there, like taking orders, at, you know, from cars and running into the group hub and we're filling prowlers and then running them back out. And uh, so we, you know, we, we, we did that. And, you know, it obviously isn't the income that you once had, but you know, we, we, it allowed us to, you know, keep the, at least those last few people employed uh, until we were able to come up with the new concepts uh, and get that open enough with the, the hamburger stuff uh, to where we were able to kind of do that almost as a drive-through. Wow. And we shifted over there, and we actually had a, a situation because everything was shut down, and there was a good-sized parking lot there. People were coming, and um, they would park. And then come out and walk up to like the window and, and pick up a hamburger and a six pack of beer. And then they go back to their car, open the hatch on their SUV, pull out lawn chairs, and sit in the parking lot <laughs> and hang out. I'm like, wait, is this, tailgating. A, tailgating. This, <laughs> this, this is tailgating. Tailgating. Like, number number one, it's you know not a legal drinking area. Right. Uh, number two, pandemic. We're not supposed to be, be, be meeting. It's like right. at the same time. It was like, look, like we can't unless the cops come and tell them to leave. Like we can't we're not, make them leave. Right. It almost became like every day they were like tailgating that's amazing. Uh, in our lot. That which, is awesome. Yeah, it got a little weird for a while. And then, then they allowed uh, outdoor seating uh, again, so we were able to shift everybody into our beer garden, which by that time we had grown to be much bigger. We socially distanced picnic tables like 20 feet apart, Ooh. and we could still get almost 200 people in there.
1: Wow. Wow, that's crazy. We I had, mean,
3: We had to cordon off all the space around it and create – Uh, specific entry and exit points and we had to, you know, run a counter and people had to go on like a waiting list to sit outside in a big pit of sand. Basically.
1: That's, I mean, you guys, I mean, I've heard a lot of different stories. Like, I mean, we had to change a whole focus in, in business shift during the pandemic, but for you guys to actually grow and, and actually move forward in, in business and, you know, with what you guys do, that's an awesome story, man. I mean, even the tailgating.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, now, uh, obviously, you know, a little more removed and people, you know, can come and things are a little more normal. But uh, pre-pandemic, uh, our own premise sales, like how much beer we actually sold just through our own restaurant right. and, and spaces, was about a 1,000 barrels a year, maybe a little less. right. Uh, last year, last year between all three of our locations, we did over two thousand barrels Oof. through our own premise.
1: Wow, that's awesome, man! That is awesome growth for sure.
3: So, yeah, it's, you hate to say the pandemic was kind of a good thing for right. us because that's not the right way to say that. But it it did spur more people to be like, "Hey, this place it leans into this outdoor thing. Well, they have this huge outdoor space. We can really only go drink outdoors. So let's, let's go, go there." there. And then, <laughs> this is actually pretty good. Maybe we should come back again. And oh. it's, it's, it's actually kind of helped us grow a little bit in a very weird way.
1: That's excellent. So Cincinnati, Cincinnati has had some uh, pretty brutal snow and ice storms last week. Meanwhile, we've had some decent weather here in Miami. However, Cincinnati has one thing going for it right now that Miami has not experienced since 84. The Bengals are actually playing in the Super Bowl this Sunday. I mean, I know my producer... Rocco I mean he would probably walk through a blizzard in a t-shirt and shorts for his his eagles um you know but can you describe what's going on in Cincinnati with the Bengals being in the Super Bowl this Sunday what's the hype like
3: yeah I mean the the hype is huge I mean it's all anybody talks about it's all it's on the radio or the news or the tv they uh the team I think Monday I think or t- Tuesday they flew out to LA but the day before I think it was Monday night they had like a pep rally at the football stadium and it was it was basically about freezing outside it was right around 30 32 degrees they had 30,000 people show up to the stadium <laughs> to the, like, pep rally that for, is you know, just for them to send the team off and then I had heard I had heard that LA I think did something similar Maybe even the same day, of course, it's whatever, 70, 80 degrees out there. And I think I heard they got like 3,000 people showed up.
1: Big difference. Uh, Big difference in the yeah. blood in, in the, bl- uh, yeah, I blood mean, in the water. I mean, the fans. Yeah.
3: I, I mean, for me, I mean, I've lived in this town all my life. I'm um, old enough that I, I remember watching the Super Bowl in 88 when they were in it. And um, then they've been so bad for so long. I think part of me is still just like, yeah, no, that's not right. They're not. They're not actually in the Super Bowl, no. And then you know, when they got the playoffs, it's like, ah, it's all right. They'll lose the first game, and then they won the first game. It's like, hey, yeah, but they're going to lose the next one. And so it's it's after so many years, you're just trying, you, you're, you're waiting for the yet yeah, for the, the yeah, but you're waiting for the other shoe to drop and be like, oh, oh no, boy. psych. You're really not going to the Super Bowl. Like when the Super Bowl starts, there's some random other team's going to come out, and you're be like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> But it's, but it's been great. It, I mean, you know, it, Joe Burrow, you know, he's an Ohio guy, and everyone's really rallied around that, which just makes it even more special for people like, hey, he came from rural Ohio, and now he's back in Ohio. He's, you know.
1: Well, here's the, the question. I mean, one. does Joe Burrow drink beer?
3: I don't know.
1: I mean, that, uh, that would be the thing. Like, you know, if the Bengals win, who's hooking Joe Burrow up with beer for life? You know, who's going to do that? That's like the real question, you know. I mean, I I know the fan, you know, fervor out there is, is crazy, but I, I would have to think a brewery might jump on the idea. If this guy actually drank beer, who's hooking this guy up? Yeah. 50 West. Yeah, I'm not
3: sure. I, mean, I know he likes to stars, so maybe we'll make like a good Ralph beer for him.
1: There you go. There we go. Well, I want to uh, thank you very much for coming on the show, man. I, uh, I wish you and the Bengals all the luck this Sunday. And uh, I do want to see you guys win. I think it's, uh, it will be an awesome thing. L.A. doesn't need another trophy. So. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but they got the
3: weather. What else do they need?
1: Exactly, exactly. But uh, thank you very much for your time, Scott. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Have a good one.
3: Volume Sirius XM 106 is your 24-7 talk channel about music. Featuring shows hosted by musicians, including
0: Melissa Etheridge. How oh, old were
3: you when you wrote that song, for goodness sake.
0: Goo Goo Doll singer John Resnick. Do you find yourself being more creative when you're in a darker place? Drummer Steve Jordan. You are embedded in American pop culture. Anthrax guitarist Scott Ian. I give a glass to my right, and it's Mick Jagger standing next to me. This is Volume Sirius XM 106, your liner notes to the World of music. You're listening to the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield. Conversations on the business of brewing and popular culture. In
2: 1964 at Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, Teresa Benissimo deep-fried some chicken wings, which were usually used for stalker soup. She added some spicy sauce, served them to her son's friends, and unknowingly created a national phenomenon. This Sunday, the Bengals and the Rams will face off in Super Bowl 56. During last year's Super Bowl, Americans ate a record 1.42 billion chicken wings. Our next guest knows a thing or two about Buffalo Wings. He is the president of Anchor Bar Franchise and Development Company, and he's here to offer some tips for making Buffalo Wings yourself this Sunday.
1: Welcome to the Beer Hour, Mark Dempsey. Thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Thanks. It's great to be here. It's, uh, you know, I, I really wish this interview was in face to face at the anchor bar over a plate of wings and some beer yes uh, I would be (laughs) very excited for that as well
2: I love buffalo wings yes
1: uh we will uh we will take this any way we can get it it's uh it's an absolute pleasure to have you guys on um for the 10 10 millionth time in your career at anchor bar tell us how the buffalo wing was created
0: Yeah, so it's a great story. You you know, um, Frank and Teresa Bellissimo founded the Anchor Bar in 1935 down at the waterfront. That's kind of how it's got its name. Um, They moved to a different location in the 40s. And in the 60s, uh, they actually invented the wing one cold March night. Um, Their son, Dominic, was tending bar. Dominic's friends came in and said, hey, you know, uh, we're, we're hungry. We want to grab something to eat. You know, we've been out on the town all night, and we don't want the normal chick uh, Italian fare. Can you give us something a little different? So Dominic went back, told his mother, and she said, all right, let me see what I can do. So she went in the cooler, found these beautiful big chicken wings that she was going to use in soup the next day and make a soup <laughs> stock. And uh, and she said, you know what? I'm going to fry them up and put a little uh, cayenne pepper sauce on there little hot sauce for these guys give them something spicy and she cooked them up served them with celery and blue cheese the first night oh my god and brought them out to the bar you know and i gotta tell you the um the guys at the at the bar kind of looked at the wings and said well, what the heck is this you know and they've never seen you know fried chicken wings with, with cayenne pepper sauce but she said oh yeah you know try them you're gonna like them go ahead you know uh, so they dove in and they were immediate success. You know, they, they loved them. They were like, you know, can we get some more of these? And she's like, Oh geez, I'm sorry. I cooked all all of them up. So wow, um, that's the story and how it was invented. It didn't take long before they got on the menu. And long after that, you know, some different restaurants in the area were kind of, you know, Hey, we can make those too.
1: That's that's awesome. I mean, and and the rest of America, thanks you guys for that.
2: (laughs) I mean, there's it's it's genius you know. that she started off with the celery and the blue cheese as the pairing to offset like the spiciness.
1: That's awesome, and and That's actually, exactly, and right? actually, that the wings were going to be used for soup, you know, and they ended up not being in soup and turning into this iconic dish. I mean, that is it's unbelievable. So, how did uh, Teresa and the rest of the Bellissimo family react to the explosion in the popularity of the humble dish that she created? I'm guessing on one hand they were really proud. And on the other hand, Buffalo wings belongs to the world and you can kind of patent a dish like that to, uh, you know, monetize it. How, how did that family feel about that after it just kind of like blew up?
0: Yeah. I mean, very, very, very proud, you know, Frank and Teresa were getting up in age, you know, at that time. And unfortunately, uh, you know, uh, Decade later, you know they, they they were both gone, but their son Dominic uh, kept the tradition going, and now her daughter or his daughter keeps the tradition going uh, as well. Wow! So um, they're very proud. They're uh, they're super excited to know that you know their name is forever in the culinary history okay. of the world that uh, creating this iconic dish. I, I would say so. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> what I th-
1: I mean chicken wings to me is like I don't know. It's it's an unbelievable thing. I mean, I grew up eating chicken wings and like now, obviously, people put different spins on them. I mean, they're in fine dining restaurants to fast food restaurants. I mean, they're everywhere. Did did the Bellissimo's ever try to trademark the name Buffalo Wing?
0: So they didn't try to trademark the name Buffalo Wings. Early on, they they really didn't know what they had, right? I mean, right. you know, they they were making a dish for family and friends and, and they thought that, hey, you know, this is going to be good. So. They never uh, thought to trademark the name until it got so popular. They couldn't trademark the name Buffalo Wings right. um, because it was too much of a generic term at that time. So, Wow. Who? Uh, so who owns the Anchor Bar now? So uh, part of the Bellissimo family. Uh, Frank and Teresa's granddaughter owns it with one of the uh, longtime employees there that, uh, has been around for almost forty years at, at the restaurant, so they they own it together.
1: How many locations do you guys
0: have nowadays? So uh, the Anchor Bar um, has one corporate location in downtown Maine, uh, downtown uh, Buffalo, and we have fifteen other locations across the U.S. and southern Ontario. Oh, and wow. we're growing. We've got uh, you know, we've got two up in southern Ontario. We got one in Frederick, Maryland, uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. We got. Three, soon to be four in Texas, Round Rock, San Antonio. Um, and then, you know, seven here in Western New York. And uh, funny enough, you bring up Cincinnati here a, a while ago. And <laughs> right. uh, we will be opening a Cincinnati Anchor Bar this year. Oh, so we're there, very excited about that.
1: There we go. Let's hope, uh, you know, let's hope the Bengals bring home that uh, that Super Bowl. That'd be a, a great ring. It'd, it'd in be them. nice. It'd be nice. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I Can't still wish it was Chicago Buffalo, you know nice. what I mean? But, uh, I'm sorry? Having Buffalo in there would have been nice as well, but uh, I'll take the Bengals any day over the Rams. Yeah, Um, for sure. It's not Buffalo's the Bengals. Exactly. How how long have you been with the company?
0: I've been with the company since uh, the early 2000s. We we first started franchising back in 2009, right? And uh, that's our first location was at the Buffalo Airport first. uh,
1: Oh really? So, so you guys actually started franchising back in two thousand nine, and your first franchise was actually in the airport. That's correct. Yeah. Oh wow! And now you have fifteen different locations. How many are you guys thinking you might be expanding towards as far as franchise options down the future here?
0: Yeah. So by the end of this year, we hope to be up to twenty. You know, we're going to have Chicago, Cincinnati, Tampa, Raleigh, uh, another one in Texas. So um, yeah, Wait. we're 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 excited. Um, we need one in Miami. Then, uh, <laughs> we need oh, one yeah. in Miami. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, yeah by uh, by the end of next year, you know, we hope to uh, hit thirty, and and you know, we we see us growing, you know, to uh, to a hundred units over the next ten years. So that, that is We're amazing saying. growth, man. That's an awesome awesome growth.
1: So how can um, how can our listeners who may be interested in in a, in a franchise, where can they get info about that?
0: So uh there's there's two spots where they can go. They can go to our website, um anchorbar.com. There's a little section on there to submit a form for franchising. They can click on that or they can email me direct at marketanchorbar.com. Uh and we'll get them some information and and uh hopefully uh yeah, we'll have some more locations there
1: to to be part of this history. I mean, I mean in all honesty, why not? Because this is actually the originator and where it all started. I mean, I, I think that would be an amazing opportunity i mean you also have like entire bar restaurant chains like buffalo wild wings and hooters that are built on serving buffalo wings i mean you have competitions and eating contests not like the defunct wing bowl in philly you've been in the wing business for a while why do you think that buffalo wings are just so damn popular
0: well, I think it's it's really the perfect food, Jonathan. Like you could eat it as a meal sitting at a dinner table. Yep. You yep. could eat it in a restaurant as an appetizer. But most importantly, you could eat it with your hands in front of the TV while you're watching, <laughs> watching the, the Bills. game. Exactly yep, on game day, that's uh, <laughs> that's it. So that's that's what makes it. it it's so versatile. You could eat it for dinner. You could eat it for an appetizer. You could eat it for a snack. Um, I've even been eating a couple for breakfast once uh, once in a while. I I mean,
1: I really honestly can't – I mean, besides burgers, you know, and the two kind of foods that I think of when it comes to, like, making food at home or even at a tailgate, anything like that would either be burgers and wings. And that would be about it for me. I mean, what do you think, Maria?
2: I – on Sundays at my house – it's my day off, so I love, especially with football on. Chicken wings. <laughs> I make chicken wings. I fry them hard, and then I don't toss them in the sauce. I just people can dip as they go, and I always have my fresh cut celery with a side of blue cheese, no ranch, no ranch.
1: No, no. I, I That's a good question, Mark. What is your thoughts on the dipped in sauce versus like just dip as you go?
0: Yeah, well, first of all, I gotta agree with Maria. Right? It's got to be blue cheese. You oh, know, absolutely. Buffalo is, yeah, buffalo yeah. is blue cheese, and and that's where it is. But um, you got to dunk it. Like you got you got to dunk the wing. I mean, you got to get that wing. You got to dunk it in there and turn it around a little bit and make sure you get get some of that uh, uh, blue cheese and and go ahead and eat it that way. I mean, but go it, in, but, but
1: but when it comes out of the fryer, it, it should be
0: bathed in the sauce. Correct. For sure. Yeah. So, you know, those things come out of the fryer and we toss them in the sauce. Right. And it's just not, you know, poured on top and you know dumped on a plate. It's tossed. It's coated. It's well uh, well seasoned with all that sauce. Have you guys generated any I mean, after the original
1: creation, have you guys morphed that into any new variations on that? Like any new sauces, anything else? Or is it at the anchor bar? This is you get the original and this is what it is.
0: Yeah. Great question. You you know, at, at the main street location, that's what we did for a long time. We just said, Hey, you know what, here's our variations, the original, uh, which is a medium based sauce. And then, you know, we'll do a mild and a hotter version. And then we, you know, kind of went to, you know, an extreme heat or a barbecue. And and that was basically it. But over the last, I'd say five or six years, we've really come up with a, a lot of different variations of it. You know, we have, you know, um, garlic parmesan, honey garlic. Uh, we've got bourbon barbecue, chipotle barbecue. There's a lot of different variations. And, and, you know, as of late, maybe the last, you know, three or four years, you know, we've started getting into the rubs where we have a, a Buffalo rub, right? So it's a, it's a crispy dry wing with a rub on it. Uh, we've got a, a, um, uh, habanero ranch, which is a spicy, savory blend rub. We've, you know, we've got the Cajun rub. We've got a buffalo-based um, uh, rub. So a, a lot of different variations that we've got, and, you know, they're great. I mean, it's it's a great variation to the original. You know, we've got the teriyaki. We've got, you know... Yeah, I, um,
1: didn't, I didn't even think about that. I mean, it, it's such like a uh, blank canvas for whatever you want to put on it. I mean, there is... So many different things you could do to the chicken wing. It's such a blank canvas. It's it's, the more I think about it, the more hungry I get. You know, I mean, it's uh, it's flying up to Buffalo. Uh, No, I mean, there's just so many things you can do with it. Yeah.
0: Well, you don't have to fly up to Buffalo because, you know, now we sell our wings on our website and via be Gold Belly, I mean, you could go on the uh, uh, those websites and order wings and we'll ship them to your home the next day. Ooh. Fully cooked, fully sauced, your choice of sauces. I mean, it's, oh boy. it's a great thing. Oh, boy. Right? You just eat and eat. <laughs>
1: yeah. Oh, boy. That sounds, like a, that sounds
2: a, like a lot of trouble.
1: Yes, it does, for me. especially for Super Bowl <laughs> coming up here. So, you know, very... You know, like very few food and beverage pairings are as perfect as buffalo wings and beer. What is your go-to beer when you're enjoying a plate of Anchor Bar buffalo
0: wings? Yeah, so um, my favorite beer is Labatt Blue Light. Okay, uh, I mean that's that's where I'm going. Blue Light beer. Uh, it's it doesn't get any better. That's what I was uh, raised on. It's a it's a Western New York favorite. Um, so th- that's great, but Anchor Bar also has its own IPA. It's Ooh. called Anchor Anchor Bar IPA. Funny enough, right? <laughs> we're not too creative on the names, you know. <laughs> we just stick to the basic. But um, and, and it's a great. It has you know a uh, uh, slight hoppy flavor, but it's uh, it's wonderful. It really goes good with uh, with the wings.
2: You're listening to the Beer Hour with Jonathan Wakefield, and we're talking to Mark Dempsey of the Anchor Bar in Buffalo.
1: I was about to say. I mean, for me. If I'm having wings, I'm either drinking a lager or an IPA. I mean, to me, I think those would pair best. I mean, IPA is because of the spiciness and lagers just for that crisp, you know, clean palate for a beer that just kind of pairs well with a lot of foods. And it would go great with chicken wings. What about what are you drinking, Maria? I'm
2: always
0: drinking. I'm getting you hungry. You're getting me thirsty.
2: uh, I'm always drinking a crispy lager. Yeah you can think. you can pace yourself. It's refreshing yep. while you're while you're getting the heat from the wings. It's good.
0: Yeah, I would absolutely. Yeah, s- that's uh th- that's great. An ice cold glass so while when you're pour a little bit of ice crystals float on top. You can't get better. You can't no, get better than that.
1: cold beer and uh, hot wings. Great 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 pairing. So the Super yeah. Bowl is is 2 days away. By the way, I'm you know, I already told you I wish the Bills were there instead of, you know, They should have beat the Chiefs. Hopefully it'll happen uh, this coming up year. By the way, you know, I just, I think that they'll get there sooner rather than later, hopefully next year, probably sooner than the Dolphins anyway. How can listeners take a shot at making, at home, making authentic Buffalo wings?
0: Well, they could could definitely do it. And, and, you know, with the Super Bowl two days away, like you said. So you want to start with some uh, fresh, uh, chicken wings that are are cut right, so that they're they're the three pair chicken wings. You know, throw the tips out; they're no good. You don't want to use those. So you got the flats and the the drums. You know, equal amount of those. Put them in, in your fryer. Uh, fryer set at about three hundred and fifty degrees. You know, get get that oil nice and hot. Make sure it's it's hot before you put the wings in there. You want to put your wings in there for probably about uh, 15 to uh, 17 minutes, you know, cook them up, make sure they're fully cooked when you take them out, um, shake the basket, get all the uh, the oil outside of the wings, dump them into a stainless steel bowl, you know, a mixing bowl, right? And a glass bowl would work too. Um, you want to take those out and then you want to pour some, you know, anchor bar chicken wing sauce on top of those. You can get it at your local supermarket. Toss them up, now, you, know, you know, you want to toss them, you want to shake those wings, you want to get them tossed in that sauce, get them fully coated, all the nooks and crannies, and make sure it's uh, it's really looking good. And then, uh, you know, put them on a plate, serve some celery and blue cheese with them, and, and there you go, enjoy it. So, you know, within, you know, 20, 25 minutes, you could have a great plate of wings there for, uh, for your Super Bowl party or for any party. Absolutely. I would absolutely say so. I got a good question. So you
1: guys, you actually take the tips off for all your wings?
0: All the wings, no tips. We serve uh, the drumettes and the wings, se- uh, drumettes and the, the flats separate. So um, you know, if somebody comes in and says, "Hey, I'm a drum guy," that's all I want. Somebody else is like, "I'm a flat person." <laughs> that was going to be want. one of
1: my next questions. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I, we'll, I, we'll customize that.
1: What do you guys sell more of? Drums. Or flats, because even like even with a coworker here like Maria, I like the drums you're a flats person and, and I yeah, am, yeah, so yeah, do you guys tend to sell more of one than the other?
0: We do a little bit you know up up here in in Buffalo in western New York, you know we sell more drums than we sell flats, um, not by a huge ratio, but by ratio. Now, you go down to our Texas stores. And they're flats. I mean, there's really more flats than drums. Oh, yeah. So, you guys, you guys are actually seeing
1: a geographical difference in the buying between drums and flats depending on where that store is located?
0: We are. And not, not by a large ma- amount, but by an amount, a noticeable amount. Oh. And the same goes through, as you know, for Blue Cheese and Ranch, right? Right. I mean, so, so in your,
1: your mind, in your world, Ranch is sacrilegious when it comes to pairing it with with uh, with <laughs> buffalo wings.
0: When I'm in Buffalo, it's sacrilegious, <laughs> absolutely.
1: <laughs> but in
2: Texas, it's not.
1: Right, right. Of course. Okay. I mean that that
2: when
1: I do that, I uh, right. Cook them and they're still so raw Bro- Rocco is is asking me a question. How do you make sure you know for those that want to cook them at home? How do you know that the chicken wings? are done fully cooked yeah fully cooked fully cooked through so, that, so know, no one gets get
2: salmonella or, or whatever, or whatever. Yeah.
0: right right so yeah so after about 15 minutes you want to take the wings out take one of the wings you know probably a drum because it gets a little fatter on, on on the end and stick a um, instant read thermometer probe into the meat of the chicken don't touch the bone all right, just get it into the meat of the of the chicken, right. and you want to make sure that thing reads one hundred sixty five degrees, and that would be fully cooked, and you're good to go.
1: Yeah, that's that sounds okay. about right because that that kind of goes along. I do a lot of I smoke a lot of chicken, so one hundred sixty five is the safe area. Mm-hmm. And even when you take it out, it's going to continue cooking. That temperature is going to continue to rise. So you do want to make sure at minimum that it's at one hundred sixty five degrees. That's the number for chicken,
0: yeah, in general. Is
3: it better? out of the fryer or should you wait till they come down in temperature
0: a little bit Does that you got to do it right out of the fryer you know shake the you know when the wings so yeah, yeah i when mean the wings come out of the oil you want to shake that basket make sure all the oil's out of the wings dump them in the bowl and that sauce goes on right away
1: so it is best to coat them the second they come out of the fryer
2: once once, once all, all the oils oil is off so is it off. is it is
1: best to Correct. coat the wings once the oil is
2: because you want to make sure, I'm, I'm going to take a guess here, you want to make sure that um, that nice skin is sealed and crispy. Because if you do it right when it comes out, it's, it's going to be all oily, all oily and mushy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you want to make sure of that?
1: No. No. Uh, no. no. And, and I <laughs> – you, you got my producer going crazy over here because he's going to make chicken wings for the Super Bowl. <laughs> now, you, got, you guys don't salt them, though. It's just the salt is within the sauce, right? You're not adding, adding any extra salt during the process once they come out of the fryer.
0: No, it's all in there. It's all in there. So it's, uh, it's good to go.
1: So are you guys – I guess the other thing, because I heard you like when, when you were talking earlier that you guys now have rubs – are you guys starting to see an uptick in a dry rub wing and, and and is that also by area like depending on what part of the country you're in
0: 100% yeah and buffalo we uh, we do like our our you know cayenne based pepper sauce our our uh, uh, the, the original you know version of of the uh, of the buffalo wing but um, the rubs are gaining popularity uh, they're gaining popularity uh, in the south a yes, lot yes um you know lemon pepper cajun buffalo rub uh you know habanero ranch and etc cetera, etc cetera. so the, the rubs are coming up they are they are gaining popularity
1: and i think that has to do a lot because of barbecue in texas and in the south it's really it's drier it was well, no it's it's kind of like a rub
2: right i mean we, but we they don't do like rub. it saucy
1: sauce kind of on the side right kind of deal and then it's always everything's always coated in a rub you know if you think about texas brisket it's just salt and pepper sauce is always on the side you know there's never you know what i mean it's never on the brisket itself it's always a rub of some sort so i can understand that growing in the south for sure and you guys you guys do have your own line of anchor bar buffalo sauces and rubs and you can get that on the website, or Goldbelly, or or is this now available kind of nationwide in grocery? Yeah, store you can get taste. it either.
0: Um, you can get it on our website, or you can get it, you know, on the gold belly website. You also could get it, you know, in a lot of the supermarkets across the U.S. Um, and uh, uh, you could pick it up there for sure. That's awesome. awesome. So,
1: I got a question. You got a uh, you got a line on what you think the score is going to be this Sunday?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking something like 31-28. Uh, Bengals? Bengals. I'm going to say that. twenty eight twenty one
2: 21 Bengals.
1: Uh, I'm going to go with that, and while we're on that, everybody needs to have a nice plate of uh, buffalo wings in front of them. Either order through Gold Belly from Anchor Bar or taking Mark's advice and try to make your own at home. So definitely dive in and uh, make a large abundance of tipless – chicken wings either flats or drums depending on where (laughs) you're at so we can go from there i want to thank you very much for your time mark thanks mark this has been an awesome awesome pleasure and, uh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you both. And
2: thank if we, we ever go up to Buffalo, because oh, no, I'm yeah. sure that there are oh, yeah. some breweries around there, we will make sure to stop in and have well, a plate I'm, of your wings. I'm
1: a drum guy, so I'm definitely going to fit in better in Buffalo. That's, so you you <laughs> might have to go to, eat, you to, go to Texas. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. have to go to Texas because mm-hmm. they eat flats in Texas. So. <laughs> well, make
0: sure you give me a call. I'll, I'll take you for a tour. Thanks a lot. I thanks, appreciate Mark. it. Thank you
1: very much. Have a good one.
0: Alright, thanks. Yeah. Bye-bye.
1: That's it for this week. I'd like to thank our guests, Scott LaFollette and Mark Dempsey. Our co-host, Maria Cabre, our producer, Rocco Riggio, and our editor, James Capolonga. Thanks for listening. You can catch us each Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Business Radio 132 or anytime on the SiriusXM app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember, people, the thirst is real.
2: Hey, this is Karen Hunter, and at Urban View, we have a family of tough people. We are about making change. Who are willing to not just work,
0: but they have a vision. We demand That the people take action, use their power to make change. That's what really Urban
3: View and The Madison Show is all about.
0: We invite you and we challenge you to create
3: the world you want to live in. It's not your typical talk channel. Urban View, Sirius XM 126. Volume Sirius XM 106 is your 24 7 talk channel about music, featuring shows hosted by musicians, including Melissa Etheridge. How old were you when you wrote that song, for goodness sake?
0: Goo Goo Doll singer John Resnick. Do you find yourself being
3: more creative when you're in a darker place?
0: Drummer Steve Jordan. You are embedded in American pop culture. Anthrax guitarist Scott Ian. I give a glance to my right, and it's Mick Jagger standing next
3: to me. This is Volume Sirius XM 106 your liner notes to the world of music.